We made it happen. Jimmy was an incredible success. I don't know where he is. I gotta find him. Gosh, I don't. Oh, oh. George, George, oh, George, right George. Here. Yeah. Yes, we did it, brother. Yes, we hey, did. Thanks to this. You know what? And in the ring with Dan and Benny, hey, brother, man, he's about the most cat. I just love him to death. I love you. Thanks for having me. Hey, you're the best. I'm telling you, brother, in the ring with Dan and Benny. Yeah. We love you. Thank Woo. you so much, Dan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spashano, joined, as always, by the original Long Island Iced B himself, Benny Scala. Benny, first first weekend of football season. I see your background there. I can't imagine you're too happy. So uh, other than that, how you doing? Well, Dan, we're on episode number 142. Very special number for me as I spent my formative years growing up at uh, 142 Intervale Avenue, Farmdale, Long Island. And uh, the number 142 also represents how many recent turndowns I've had from uh, women. But no, I, I, I would say I have I have three words: Jets, Jets, Jets. Although who's going to be their quarterback? It was a uh, it was a rough start. It was a rough start. Well, you know, Benny, we um, but we we could you know, as we've seen from our baseball and football discussions, we could talk all kinds of sports. But we are going to talk wrestling today, and we wanted to bring some friends on because this is kind of a fun topic, and it's been real big, and and a lot of people talking about a lot of stories. Um, so. I mean, really, I don't think they need any introduction, but we're going to give them to it anyway because I feel they've deserved it. Why don't you tell everybody who these fine mugs joining us are? Absolutely. So tonight's show is a little bit different than our norm. Uh, the entire wrestling world is a buzz with the recent brouhaha and uh, subsequent firing of one Philip Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk. And this has created quite quite the controversy in the wrestling community. And uh, the lines have been pretty much drawn in the sand. And so to help us chat about that, we have, uh, and you introduced me as the original Long Island Ice B, but our guests are really Long Island's favorite sons, Monty and the Pharaoh. Gentlemen, welcome to Dan and Benny in the Ring. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, want to Dan, I want to correct Dan on one thing. We're not friends. We're family, yeah. right? You guys have joined the Monty and the Pharaoh network. We are and, family. Uh, we are family. So I am so, uh, I love your guys' weekly show. It's incredible. Um, every interview, I, I can't speak highly enough. And again, we're family, right? Uh, you joined uh, You joined up with us, and uh, we're honored to have you guys on. And we're honored to be on your show tonight. So thanks a lot, Pleasure. guys. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. It's high praise. Even though if we, are, if we are a family, I'm the normal one, and you're the three uncles I have to warn my girlfriend about before I bring her over to Thanksgiving. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the relative they keep in the basement. They throw down uh, some some chop meat about once every two weeks. <laughs> what, am I, <laughs> what am I, the relative you visit at the psych center once a month? What is this? <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. Well, I mean, obviously, Benny, Benny hit it on the head. It's been all over the airwaves. Uh, several broadcasters, um, some of the shows and articles have pointed out that it's really getting more traffic, you know, than even some of the broadcasts, I mean, the actual wrestling that's been happening. And, and it's unfortunate you, you have AW has the, the largest, biggest, biggest pay-per-view in, in company history. And 
nobody's talking about the success of the show. Nobody's talking about the show itself. They're talking about the backstage stuff. They're talking about the fallout. So first things first, we got to go before we can get to the current. We want to start in the past. Uh, obviously, they had the original all in the, the challenge to show that we could the wrestlers wanted to show they could that somebody besides WWE and then previously WCW, none of the big names, we, somebody independent could sell out an arena. They did. Uh, that led to the creation of AEW, January 2019. Uh, Tony Khan starts to create it. He hires the first first people he brings in the doors are Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Cody Rhodes, who are all made executive vice presidents. So, uh, Mike, I'll start with you first. Was that mistake number one, having active wrestlers in an executive VP role? I think... Uh... The reality of it is today's generation, and they are today's generation, right? They uh, they'll they've they've shown that they cannot be leaders. It's just not that group. It's pretty much that generation. So unless you have someone to corral this type of uh, this group or this young group, uh, yeah, it's a mistake. You you need you need one leader. And it has to be an older statesman or someone as at least uh, could represent. Uh, so, yeah, it was a mistake. You could clearly see what happened with CM Punk. We could actually call CM Punk an older statesman at this point. And he drew new, no respect from anyone in that locker room. And I think that's what led to this. So, yeah, Dan, big mistake. Farrah, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, I think one of the biggest problems, of course, not only did they include, the Tony Khan include those guys you mentioned, but they're also currently wrestling, like in the prime of their careers. When Mike says elder statement, I don't think it's necessarily an ex-wrestler that makes a poor leader, because look at Triple H. He's not currently wrestling, and he does a good job of keeping that locker room together keeping the scripts tight, keeping the show going. So I think it was it was compounded even more so by having current wrestlers be on the board. What are you doing? You are really asking for a problem, if you know what I'm getting at. You know, like yeah. if and Mike, have Mike and I have talked about it a thousand times. If they had brought in guys from the past who are retired and are good, fine booking minds, that would have worked. But instead, Tony, you know, got in bed with guys who are on the card, for God's sakes. That's a problem. And if I know? can add one more thing to Farrow's point is I don't think Tony Khan was respected in the industry. He might have been a rich guy. And I feel that they just never respected him. And I think there was no fear there. If it didn't work out and they ran AEW for a year and it finally folded, all those guys had made more money than they had ever dreamed of. So there was no fear behind this. There's no fear of losing your job. There's no, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, they like, you know, I've made all this money. I've made myself rich enough that I can do signings at $3,000, $4,000 a clip. And I can go on Twitch and play video games and make myself another, you know, subsidized income of another fifty dollars to $100,000 a year just because I wrestled for AEW for one year. So, yeah. Well, Mike, I want to have you quickly expand on something you, you pointed out. You talked about the respect in the locker room. Uh, we're going to get to the incident in question. One of the obviously one of the aggrieved parties was Jack Perry. He is one of several AEW talents, Jack Perry included, Adam Page being another high profile one 
who have publicly stated not just that they refuse to follow guidance, but almost an anger and offense to these these old timers want to come in and tell me how to wrestle. I'm 25. I know, you know, I don't I don't want to hear what Billy Gunn and Arn Anderson and you know Jerry Lynn. And I don't want to hear what some of these guys have to say. And I wanted your thoughts on that. When you have you have Dean Malenko, you have Arn Anderson, you have Billy Gunn, you have uh, Jim Ross, and uh, it, the list is is you know keeps going. Obviously, someone recently like an Ace Steel and and Jerry Lynn I mentioned. You know, you have hundreds and hundreds of years. Tully Blanchard's another one. Hundreds of years of experience in the locker room, and wrestlers who openly. I'm good. I I I I've trained for six months with my friend in his backyard. I don't need anything from you. Is that is that a generational thing like you were talking about, or is that specific to maybe some of the talents? I, I think it's partially a generational thing, but I'd also say this. It doesn't matter all that. You've named these legends, right, and all the experience that they have. If the, the true head of the snake doesn't support that group and he listens to – uh, you know, a Jack Perry or, you know, Young Bucks, and he gives them more weight than a Tully Blanchard, Blanchard, you lose all that control. You know, as much as people bash Vince McMahon, and I know you guys aren't huge fans of Vince McMahon. I, however, am. Um, he learned and he watched his father get worked, who was very, you know, who was a legit guy who was highly respected. Absolutely. But he had the years of watching these wrestlers work his father. And by the time he was ready to be in control, he was in control and he controlled it with money and he controlled it with uh, power. And the, the sergeants that ran his business for him, like a Tony Gurria and or Jay Strongbow and or Pat Patterson, if you screwed with them, you were gone. Right. I mean, there may be a few people that that could get away with it, uh, a Hulk Hogan, a Shawn Michaels. But overall, Vince was always in charge. So all that, even though you had all that talent they could have weighed on, they had no power because Tony didn't give that to them. Now, again, I'm not in that locker room, but it's clear to me that that's what was going on. You know, when Ad, you know, with, with Paige going, going on and discussing that he won't take any advice from all the wrestlers because he got trained somewhere else. I mean, right there, that guy should have been squashed. He was a nobody. You could make a real statement with a guy that was nobody, right? You could squash them. And then that sends a message to that locker room that goes, I'm not good enough or I'm not big enough to work for the WWE, so I better step in line and step and fetch and collect my paycheck and do what this guy's got to say. Again, I'm not in the locker room, but that's just my opinion. What do you think, Benny? You know, I'm going to add that, you know, and no, I do not. I'm not a big fan of Vince McMahon, but when it comes to leadership, I'm taking Vince McMahon over Tony Khan every day of the week and three times on Sunday because we wouldn't even be talking about this in WWE because it never would have happened. Um, My next question is that um, AEW recruited a ton of of WWE talent, Jericho, Cody Rhodes, Dustin Rhodes, Matt Hardy, Christian, Daniel Bryan, etc., and maybe it doesn't even matter, but I've never heard anything mentioned as, as far as are these are these guys even making money or not? And so that would that would uh, what do you, do you think they're making money or and does it really even matter given the fact that the guy you know the guy's a billionaire? Jimmy, you answering that? 
Sure. Why not? Do I think they're making money? Yeah. I don't think they're doing it to uh, lose any money. Um, but I really find it very funny because what I'm more, my bigger point in this whole thing is, is all those guys you mentioned, all those guys with WWE resumes, a lot of them are absolute legends. Where is their leadership while this locker room is fragmenting? Who is leading that locker room? I've said it before. Where is the undertaker type guy to report to? Because if you pull any shit, he might twist you into bookends. Where is the, I thought Daniel Bryan supposed to be a great leader. I thought Chris Jericho was supposed to be this great locker room leader. And, uh, you know, punk did not have the respect of no one in the locker room. Punk had the respect of half the locker room. That's why they had the show. That's why they had the show subdivided. I'm sorry. No, Punk was trying to be that leader. Punk was trying to be the Undertaker. Yeah, but it wasn't gonna, and, and it wasn't gonna happen because, like Mike said, there are certain guys who are not going to respect CM Punk. It's and it's not even a like if you don't respect the Undertaker, you're probably going to keep your mouth shut. If you understand what I'm getting at. Well, no, and, and I think part of the problem it goes back to Tony Khan because he hired a bunch of kids and made them EVPs, yeah. and, and these these guys are running the show. Right. Right. And, and let me not, tell you, let me tell you something. It's that very it's that very panel itself that took that drove Cody Rhodes the hell out of there. He was like, you know something? The inmates are running the asylum. I'm going home and I'm going to WrestleMania main event and I'm going to go back to work for Vince, who employed my father for decades. That's where I'm going. Right. And it was the best move Cody could have made. And Cody is a super stud and the biggest face in the biggest company in the world. Now, good move, Cody. Yeah, no, absolutely. Having just, I was actually at Raw last night. They were here in Norfolk. Thank you. Nice. Quick shout out to nice. uh, George Pontus, friend of the show, former guest. He he got me the tickets. We went, and I didn't realize until later on that was the last ever McMahon run show because the Endeavor deal took place today. But the the mm-hmm. scope dome, uh, you know, Coliseum. Excuse me. Cody's reaction. I mean, that's. Ricky Morton Hogan yeah. levels of pop that he was getting in today's era he's, of wrestling, but he's 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 beloved. He's oh, beloved. Yeah, no, he yeah. really is. Yeah. He's the perfect face. Quite honestly, Absolutely. I really yeah. feel like he's the best. Most Mike, can I say this word? He's the best, most wholesome face I've seen since Backland. For God's sakes, this is crazy to me. Good face. Here's, really good face. Here's, here's the thing, and I think we spoke about this before too. So Cody has won me over, also, and I was not a fan, as you know. Um, Correct. My fear is sustainability. We right. know how this is going to end, right? We know right. that he will win the title. Then the right. question is, does this become sustainable? Um, well, I don't think, you know, you know, Mike, I don't think he, he needs to hold it that long. Honestly, he's over, right? He's over no matter what. If Even if he attains finally the final dream, which he should, uh, what's wrong with like a two month reign and then the next the next villain takes over and he chases again for the next whatever? I, I I think that it would be fine. He doesn't need to sustain. He needs to accomplish and keep the product relevant and keep his character relevant even after he drops the belt. It's not even that important that he holds it forever. Not in my mind. I think I I think that's a really good point, Jimmy. But here's the issue that I always think about: when you put yeah. that strap, right? Mean that they're a media sensation, right? Because that's what they are. Um, yeah. You need someone that can go on late night shows with the belt. Oh, he can. And, and he's he can good be, at it. I mean, yeah, I've seen Cody, him. He go. He goes in no, the suit. He's Cody, great. Cody can. But here's my worry. He can. 
You lo- he yeah. loses the belt, and then you put it on a Gunther, yeah. which, by the way, Gunther's awesome. Totally get it. Um, right. You put it on anybody else. Who else in that company can you see carry that belt other than Roman Reigns <laughs> and Cody Rhodes? Not Seth right. Rollins. Right. Well, you know, know, that's how Vince looks at things. That's how Vince looks at stuff. You're right. Outside of Roman Reigns, you know, I hate to say this. Danny's going to reach right through the set and crack me in the head when I say this. But a guy like Logan Paul would be amazing on the talk shows with the belt. I'm sorry. Don't hit me. But I really think Logan Paul's got the goods. He's an amazing wrestler. I wouldn't think that that would harm the company at all if he was champion for a while as a bad guy he'd be great yeah and he could keep the persona on the talk shows being that arrogant cocky social media absolutely and and it would still fit you know you could right one of the legit heels that keeps kayfabe as much as i but mike as much as much as roman reigns has won me over because i was one of his stauncher critics watching him go on the tonight show and smile and wave and then next week he's beating the hell out of one of his family members because he you know they stubbed his toe like right it's hard it's hard to keep that heel heel heat logan paul could do that on the shows i'll agree with you on that one right right but Mike's got a good point. There's only a few that you could really do that with. That's why we had a John Cena, for God's sakes. Right. You know, and, well, that's uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I was saying that's Not that's been good. the uh, the biggest criticism. We talked about it when we were on your show. That's been the biggest criticism of the WWE for 15 years now. That that Vince once Austin left, Vince said, "Now I'm never again going to have a star bigger than the company." And because of that mentality, you don't have outside of a, a Brock Lesnar, outside of a Cody, you don't have somebody that, right. I mean, when you look at the rosters now, I count on one hand the number of people that are legitimate heavyweight talk show right. build WrestleMania around champions, and 15 right. years ago, there was a dozen of them. You know, it's... Right. But you, you can you can history. see, though, but history is now showing, because what do we start off the program with? What was the subject? Letting the inmates run the, run the locker right. room. Vince is a genius. He was right to do this after Austin. He was right to do it. Uh, he had to. He had to maintain control. And he, as you can see, Vince is always ahead of the curve. Social media is out of control. Everybody's got a, got an opinion. You know what opinions are like, don't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, Vince was smart. He saw ahead of the curve and put a clamp on that crap and gave us John Cena. And oddly enough, John Cena might have very well become a bigger star than the company, but he did it outside the company through the right. stardom given to him in the company. Brilliant. And, and, by, and by the way, he always told the company line, right? He respected the yep. company. He respected Brilliant. what it did for him. Yep. And, you know, that's the yep. other thing, too. I think we're going to, if we're lucky, all of us are lucky enough to, and I mean it in the best of ways, lucky enough to live to see Vince McMahon pass and we see that day come. I think at some point, right. everybody's going to realize what, you know, I, again, I love both you guys, your family. But, you know, again, we disagree on some stuff. We agree. I think I've heard Benny say, you know, Vince Vince kind of ruined wrestling, right? He took it out of the, we don't call it the bingo halls, but he took it out of the, the regions and what he did to it. Yeah. But I think Vince, personally, if it wasn't for him, wrestling might have died, honestly. Um, you know, how it's you possible know, when the nineties got weak, leave, right? There was a point we all weren't watching in the nineties, I think at some point or another. And it's like, right. would, would regional wrestling have lasted at that point? 
being as bad as I don't know. But yeah, we don't know. Again, really back to writing. leadership. I'm not saying Tony Khan's not a smart businessman. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve what he has, but he certainly doesn't come across as a leader. And on top of that, with a guy with that kind of money, I would think you would hire a professional writer to speak for you every time you're on air because that guy, he sounds weak. His presentation is weak. When you watch him, you go, this guy's a pussy. Like, right. you know, you, you, you're like, this guy is not a man. Like, <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Pharaoh doing his, uh, uh, doing his, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, what is syndrome imitation? Well, I was gonna, I was trying to think of, um, uh, Max Hedrick. I mean, my Tourette's syndrome imitation. What the fuck? Yeah, you did. You, 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 you chopped <laughs> out for a second there. <laughs> oh, 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 I didn't realize. No idea. Sorry. Anyway, Tourette's syndrome over. Well, let me ask you a question. When you guys look at wrestling throughout your life, right? You've been watching it since your teenagers or whatever. What was the most important? thing event that you remember that when you think about it it just makes you feel good when it just comes to wrestling forget about anything else what was it was it a, a vignette was it a was it a match was it what was it well for me i mean vince senior was very formulaic and i guess you know to some extent vince jr uh copied the same thing but you know you had bruno and you had Bruno against the heel who came in and he, he usually went through either uh, was Tony Parisi or Dominic DiNucci, maybe, uh, you know, attacked Arnie Scullin. And that was the big buildup to the match at the Garden. And a lot of these guys, I mean, at least me as a youngster, you know, when I think of George Steele, actually the first match I ever went to was at the Island Garden in uh, West Hempstead, uh, April 1968. I don't know if that place is even still there or what it's used for now, but it was Bruno and Tanaka. And I mean, I literally had my heart in my throat uh, wondering if, if Tanaka was going to be the guy, because, you know, there was a big buildup with Tanaka. I mean, kind of a long time ago, and people don't really remember that, but he was a, a really, you know, a, an overheel. And I thought, man, he, he, I might watch him lose, Bruno lose his, his, uh, his title. And Bruno won, I'll never forget, they started running the ropes and they collided. And it sounded like an earthquake. I mean, the entire arena shook. They must have really hit each other hard. But Bruno got up at the count of ten, and I just remember this huge feeling of elation. And I left. I left the arena happy. It's like, okay, Bruno, he's still the champion. But I mean, for me, it was life and death. Yeah, I can respect that. I think mine, and I know it's it's cliche almost, but when I was growing up watching wrestling, they were sports stars you know and i mean like you know you, you, not that it was real thing but i mean you know yeah you had your your you know hulk hogan's and and people like that but they were nolan ryan joe montana cal ripkin they, they, that era of like these guys are great but they never no one ever really felt better better than a bigger you know big star and i, and I don't mean that as a criticism i mean you know that that just they didn't break that echelon until wrestlemania 3 
Hulk Hogan body slamming Andre the Giant was the first time I ever watched a wrestler and he felt like a real life superhero. And I've been, I mean, I was hooked before then, but I mean, I've been hooked ever since. And that was a McMahon thing. And I think you give credit where credit is due. Uh, Benny and I have been very critical of the modern product, but Vince McMahon just cashed a check for 6,000 times more than he bought the WWE for. Wow. So you can't argue with, you can't argue with, with productivity. I mean, even with the product, maybe not being as, as fond as we remember nostalgia goggles and whatnot, you know, it's, he did something right, but Benny, we, we've been a money guy. We both money guys. We talk about it a lot. Um, you, you mentioned something about management. What was, what were you thinking there? Well, I wanted to talk about punk for a second. So several of us have been in management positions and, I, I bet every single one of us has had that one highly outspoken individual, the ones that's really critical of both his coworkers and management. But at the same time, he takes an enormous amount of pride in his work and, and he's a star. He's the top performer. I mean, shouldn't that, like in the case of Punk, does he get some extra slack for that? Can I, can I start this one off? Yeah, go for it. As an employee, no matter what it is, right? No matter what you're doing, there's a package, right? And you could be really great at your job, but you could be an asshole, right? Or you could come to work on time every day, but you get nothing done. My point is you have to be the complete pizza, right? If you're not, you could be a valued employee if you're not, if you're missing some of that, but it also becomes, is the juice worth the squeeze? So if you're talking about CM Punk, I don't care how anyone wants to flavor this up. I don't know what they paid him. I, I heard $6 million and whoever's out there who will be writing on this when you guys put it on the audio or whatever. No, it was this. I don't know what it was, but here's the deal. CM Punk to me for AEW was their biggest star, but he did not move the needle enough what their, for what their expectation was, at least in my opinion. And to me, CM Punk's antics, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. And that's my point as being a manager. If CM Punk could have behaved like John Cena, who knows what he could have done? Maybe, I don't know, because he really wasn't moving the needle. And the guy has proven to be a discontent his entire career. Okay, so as an employee and as being a manager, if you're not the complete package, you're not worth it to me. You know, Hulk Hogan was the complete package. Yeah, did he have problems? Look, you fight with your boss. I get it. It happens. This is life. We all fight with each other. But in the end, Hulk always knew who was feeding the train. He understood that. Right. Sean always knew he was feeding the train. Once Sean wasn't worth the money anymore. See, people always like, oh, Sean just act like punk and Vince dealt with it because at the time he was worth it. But when WCW closed and Sean wasn't drawing what he was supposedly drawing, what did Vince tell him to do? Take a walk. You're not worth it to me anymore. Get out. That's all I got to say about it anyway. Well, Vince was more concerned about doing business and making friends, which is the big difference between him and Tony Khan. 
Yeah, Benny, I, you I, talked about but I thought it was interesting when he said they can punk off slack. Probably gives everybody, everybody too much slack. Let's let's think back on, on what started this whole thing originally with punk. Was Adam Page talking shit live on the air to punk? Okay. That had to be squashed right away. Instead, it gets even worse. And then they had the giant scrum at the press conference after the show about a year ago, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Poor CM Punk's dog gets his teeth kicked in or some shit. I mean, you didn't handle it then. You didn't pay to shut up, pay in and shut your mouth. Instead, we had that. Then we had the recent thing with Punk. He gave everybody over there much slack period he lets the boys run the asylum that's all there is to it too much slack across the board yeah you mike you were talking about leadership i mean let's be honest that was not just and and no i mean i don't want to disrespect adam page he he came from uh, you know the he came from our our school that's close to the program um you know but he went into business for himself the, the, the BS stories that were spread about Punk wanting Colt Cabana fired, which even Dave Meltzer's rolled back and, and admitted that that was crap. Um, you know, so you get you get this narrative. Here's this is the build. This isn't just like, oh, I went into business for myself. This was the build to the main event of what was going to be the biggest at the time, the biggest pay-per-view in company history. First pay-per-view with a million dollar plus gate like and, and he goes into business for himself. I don't care if you're the champion. If that was let's say yeah you, you mentioned sean that was sean and brett or something where you're building and you're not quite at the rock austin level where I, i'll let it slide this time mcmahon probably probably either tells him you're dropping the belt and then you're fired or he fires him as he's walking through the curtain and we'll figure something else out for my pay-per-view you know i'm not above saying you know i i hate to use the example but bash at the beach style vince russo coming out and saying hogan's gone we're gonna have a new main event because i'm done working with this piece pos you know uh I, you, you, the fact that that went nowhere, nothing happened, literally no punishments, no, as far as we can tell, it wasn't even discussed. It's just kind of something else to fester in the back of Punk's mind and more and more just kept building. And I think that goes to the leadership that you were talking about. Well, Dan, uh, it goes deeper than that, right? So AEW kind of was built as the alternative, right? And what the fans wanted. We want to see more action. We want to see less mic work. Part of it was, I'm sick of WWE scripted interviews or whatever they're doing. Here's the problem. You, Farrow, Benny, myself, we don't know better than Vince McMahon. If Vince McMahon at some point decided you will do scripted you will say it as I, my writers wrote it for you, right? There's a reason. Because he was not going to allow his billions of dollars, which he just got paid for, to be ruined by a guy like Paige, right, who decides to go into business for himself. In fact, I would say you could go further than that and say that if you did something like that, I can guarantee it's in the contract that they're going to sue you. You go off script, they're going to sue you. So everything you've been paid throughout your career will be gone because we're going to sue you. There's rules to follow. And that's, and that's why. So Tony Khan wanted to appease, you know, Johnny Joe out there. And this is what he got because he thought giving the 600,000, the 900,000 fans who were crying 
what they wanted was the right way to go. And what it did was eat his company from inside out. I, I, I purely believe collision will not make it till December. I, 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 I agree. That I agree. I agree. And, it's very clear. He can't have two shows. He's trying to do Raw and SmackDown and those shows are failing, failing, failing. Well, I, I think it's worth noting too. One of the, I don't want to say stories, but one of the things that kind of came to the light when CM Punk's contract was terminated is he was working under two contracts at the time. He had a wrestling contract and he was contracted as the the lead producer slash creative director of Collision. That was his show. The story we'll get to later where, where Jack Perry wanted to do the spot with the real glass and the doctors went to Punk and were like, hey, he's not listening to us. You go tell him no. That's why Punk was in that position because that was his show. And now you've got Dynamite and what's going to end up being two rampages. Whether Collision, and maybe they give it to Brian Danielson or, or whether they bring in somebody else to try and make it different. It's it's only going to be one or the other, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how that boils down. But to get, I kind of want to expand a little bit too on we talked about the leadership, um, the where Pharaoh mentioned the scrum and obviously the big blow up there. CM Punk, he he had just won the title. He knew he was hurt. I think it was what a torn tricep. Yeah. Um, so I mean, he he mm. knew. Um, that's months, what, six, five, six months surgery, maybe. Um, you know, so he knew he's like, I'm hurt. Uh, I'll, I'll be gone. I'll probably never have another chance to publicly address all this. So he laid it all out there like it was. And then the fight in the back, you know, the, what do you guys think of Tony Khan just pretty much sitting there with his, for lack of a better description with his thumb up his ass, other than the occasional nodding, like, yeah, what punk is saying is true. He didn't stop it. He didn't interject. He didn't, even appear like it was it was genuinely he apologized a couple of times like a whiny shit yeah there you go what do you guys think of that uh, i'll have to jump in here because farrell's doing it to do like a tourette's to english for uh jimmy <laughs> uh what did i think of that i thought that was that was the start <laughs> I think that was the start of it all, right? I think that's where you started to see the real holes in Tony Khan's game and his leadership, right? Um, I, I I just think it was it was it was embarrassing. And and I got to be honest with you, I'm not a I'm not a Tony Khan guy, but I also put ownership on the wrestlers. Like who is CM Punk? This guy just paid you a bunch of money. He brought you back. He, he adores you. He's a huge fan. And then you go out of your way to embarrass him and his company. I mean, where's the respect there? I mean, where's the respect from the wrestlers towards the people that are paying them? So it's like when we sit there and people defend the wrestlers and go, oh, they got screwed here, or they don't get health insurance, or they don't get what they have. They, this is a perfect example of they prove what they really are. I'm sorry. It's like you you spit on the guy who's feeding your family. Uh, you know, and, and that whole crew does it all the time. So, you know, it's like, why feel bad for them? They don't feel bad. They don't even feel bad for a millionaire. They, do you think they really feel bad for the fans? I'm sorry. I just, I, 
I'm not a Tony Khan guy, but no. I also think that that CM Punk humiliated him there. He didn't humiliate the EVPs. They could care. They could have cared less. They didn't care what CM Punk had to say. Whatever. He embarrassed the owner of the company, and forever he will never be taken seriously again. No matter what he tries. I think I asked Farrell the other week by him firing CM Punk, did he get respect in the locker room? And Farrell's like, hell no. They could give a shit. They don't care. No, so, Punk, yeah. Punk came across as an arrogant prick, and Tony Khan came up as the uh, poster boy for Vagiso. I mean, nobody won there. Jesus. The Vagiso. We need subtitles for Jimmy. Let's put like, boy. Yeah, I, I apologize, folks. One of our, our guests is having technical issues. But um, to to kind of balance that, yes, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, I, I wanted to wear something appropriate for the occasion. Um, I, I agree the, the entire scrum was handled poorly. Um, but I also think it boils down to... No, you you had to have known what you were getting. And if you didn't, then that's a failure on Tony Khan's side as well. CM Punk has always had the reputation. He takes zero shit. He doesn't give a crap what anyone thinks. His bosses, his friends, his family, the, you know, he'll tell it like it is or like he thinks it is. And that's it. They knew what they were getting when they brought him in. And you see that with some of the jabs and they kind of poke the bear a little bit. So I think if you're going to throw your hands up and be like, oh, my God, I, I didn't know that this it, it was going to end like this, then that's a failure on Tony Khan's part of leadership because he didn't he should have known what he was getting when he brought Punk in. And he also should have known, you know, I've got some guys in the back, which if you look at it, it you, like you said, it was it was a split. I mean, you look at at uh, some of the people that have spoken out since Punk left. And they've been nothing but but grateful. A lot of the younger talent, like a, like a powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks and the acclaimed. And uh, I remember watching an interview with Jade Cargill where she said that they were going to do a, a no DQ match. And Punk was the one that went out of his way to work with her because no, she was green, as, as Jim Cornette says, greener than a pepper tree. No one had ever worked with her before on how to use a weapon. She had no idea how to you had to do a chair shots. Punk was the one that went in and was like, hey on my time, come on. And he worked with the women on how to do weapon spots. And, you know, he's worked with the young guys when he came in Darby Allen and all that, like the young talent that could learn from them, the ones that weren't in that elite inner circle, 99.9% positive praise for the guy. It was just that one click, the bucks and page and Perry and their little circle that seemed to have an issue with him. And I'm wondering if that's, a locker room issue that, like so, you said, did that never got cut, or was it so just two personalities? Yeah, yeah, we, that go, we, should go, we should go back to Farrow's point, right? So, whenever you lead, no matter what you do, forget about wrestling, whatever sports, your job, you have key people, right? That you, as a leader, that you're going to weigh on, uh, or you're going to go to, right? Your quarterback, your right tackle. I think Khan made the mistake of not making a decision who his quarterback and right tackle was. So if it was Page, he should have stood by Page. If it was Punk, he should have squashed Page the minute Page opened his mouth. He should have, I, I think, now to defend Punk, back to that scrum, that if Khan would have done that, maybe that whole thing doesn't happen. 
maybe he lost respect for Khan because Khan couldn't make a decision. You know, Khan, you know, you 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 talk about uh Kay Carhill, right? Cahill, is that how you say it? Jade Cargill, yeah. Cargill, yeah. To me, she's got it all. Okay, she's not a good wrestler, I get it, but you get around that. She's got it. Like they could have done something, but they just you know, the, the whole Goldberg thing, her coming in, like they, they should have worked a little more on her mic skills, let her just squash the hell out of every woman. And she could have, you know, she's got the look. She had what it took. You talk about Hobbs, another guy could have done something with him. He, he, he made, he made so many match and bookings mistakes too, that he left himself in a corner. So many guys lost that should have gone further. He, he blew it. I think it goes back. You can't be everything. Not everybody could be Vince McMahon. You can't be the booker and the owner and everything else. You know, give someone your vision, tell them what you want, and then have them execute for you. Because he he blew it in so many different ways. You know, we we were talking about earlier. I want to just go back to that about things that you know you you know Benny was talking about. You know, the Tanaka San Martino match. Do you know, for me personally, at my age now, I give a lot of credit to the WWE at this point because there have been must-see things that have gone on recently. Like Roman Reigns matches, I love. There's a match that's going to go on tonight after the show. The Becky Lynch match, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I want to see that match. I'm sorry. I'm totally hooked to see those two go at it. So... I don't know, man. Maybe it's just that people that don't belong in, like, don't know wrestling and don't have a background in it, don't belong in it. I guess I don't know. What do you think, Pharaoh? You you seem to be uh, reconnected. Are you sure? Because I don't know what happened before. I could hear you guys. Oh, no, I could see you guys. Was, All of a sudden, you guys yeah. told me told me I sounded like a Cylon Raider. Am I okay now? <laughs> yeah, you, you're coming through good for me. All right, cool. So let me ask you guys a question. What the fuck are we talking about? I just missed everything. What are we doing? Uh, <laughs> Cliff's, Cliff's Notes version. We were talking about the, uh, the, the failure of Tony Khan as a leader. And right. the, the second right. part of that being the, the, the click of the locker room. Because you have your little all elite right. circle, your Bucks and Omega and Jericho. Right. And then you've got your right. Hobbs and... and right. You know, all your young guys that had nothing, you know, Sting, and, and even some of the veterans like Billy Gunn and Sting right. and Big Show, that, or excuse me, Paul White, that all had you know, positive things to say. Right. Do you think it's a failure of leadership that your locker room was so clicked? And do you think it was just like, to Mike's point, that Tony Khan is proving the Herb Abrams mentality of money doesn't, you know, money and fandom doesn't equal ability to run wrestling? Yeah, I agree with God, they did a good mix of fans. You're too much of a fan. You know, it's like when they, like when the Coke deal, don't you run your business. Don't snip it. You know, it's, it's, it's the same concept. Quite honestly, Tony Khan gets high on wrestling as a fan and he can't see the business end of it. It's me tired of me. What if I Jack Period. Man, I'll see him it and what I said originally before you to break Ben and Chad logo there, don't come with rich appetite. That's exactly 
That was a rich coat. You just gonna pull that shit next to Bill Parcel? I heard Rich Kotite. That's the name <laughs> from the past. <laughs> well, that, that was a dark period for Jets fans. Did I disappear again? You, you, you broke up a little bit, but don't worry. All your swear words came uh, perfectly clear. Well, that, at least we, you know, I have the consistency of not saying, though, that it was a Kotite. And if, we, if he was a Parcells, that crap ain't happening. Right. Well, that kind of leads into what I'm, I'm going to present a scenario here. And I presented this on Facebook, but just imagine that it's WrestleMania 14, Scotty Two Hotties in the opening match, and Undertaker gets wind of the fact that Scotty wants to use real glass in a spot during his match. And he tells him, you, you better not do it. So Scotty goes out, looks right in the camera, and says, this is real glass, Crimea River. So then he goes backstage after the, the match and gets fucking blasted by the Undertaker. Now, do you see Vince McMahon firing Undertaker and then issuing a statement that Vince was in fear for his life? This is why AEW no. will never be WWE. Right. And what's even funnier is, is what do you mean you were afraid for your life? The scrum a year ago where the dog got his teeth kicked in? That was much worse than this scrum. So you but, didn't fear for your life a year ago, Tony? But, but you, fight, you fire CM Punk for a backstage altercation. and I really haven't watched their, their show, but... My understanding is there's like seven or eight backstage altercations every week. So you're firing right. somebody for something that happens like seven times a week. <laughs> this, this, this go, but this goes back to writing, right? If you're going to come out in public, someone's got to write for you. And I guarantee if someone was writing for him, they would say, you cannot say you in fear for your life because you're going to show that you're not a leader. These are the words you're going to use. He he went out thinking he was going to get the public's you know sympathy right that oh poor Tony Khan CM Punk scared him you know CM Punk's a big old bad wrestler and he was going to hurt Tony Khan you know uh, it's it, again I, I I really don't know honestly how this guy, how this guy's running a business because every move he makes is wrong it's wrong. He, he, Jim Cornette called him Richie Rich, and I think it's a pretty good analogy. He's playing with daddy's money. Yeah. Well, and yep. the fact that yep. the fact that he's he, like he said, uh, you know, I feared for my life, and not just his life, the safety of the people, the you know, the the production staff backstage. Like CM Punk was back there threatening a, a, an office shooting or waving around a, a chainsaw. You know, like he was going <laughs> to hurt multiple people. I think it kind of exposed Tony Khan as the. The, the, the titty baby rich boy, CM Punk had finally had enough. Maybe he flipped the table and knocked over some monitors. Who knows? But this is clearly the first time in his life that Tony Khan has ever actually been yelled at. And he crumpled like, like a wet napkin. Oh, my God, I feared for my life. Why? Because a wrestler got mad at you? Did you on did, did, Is there any way that Tony Khan genuinely believes in his mind that CM Punk was a threat to the safety of the, 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 the grips and the production crew and the guy running catering. Like, but, but you know what, Dan, the better play would have been that he should have said, I cannot have a hostile work environment. I've got producers back here. I've got people that are afraid to do their jobs because they don't want to offend someone. I can't have that back there. I think the general public could have understood that more than him saying, I'm in fear for my life. CM Punk was going to kill me, right? Because at that point, it's a joke, right? I right. mean, Tony Khan's about the only guy CM Punk could really beat up in real life. 
So, you know, um, again, the place should have been, I'm here to protect the common man, right? I'm, I'm trying to protect the common man against this big old mean wrestler. I think the general public would have understood that more. I think I would have. I would have said, yeah, okay, that makes a little more sense. You know what I mean? People right. shouldn't have to come to work and be afraid that CM Punk's going to get mad at them and yell at them, right? I agree. I can't get over, and I never will get over, and it stays in my head to this day, the hug that Tony Khan gave Cesaro when he signed him. He was hugging him like his childhood munchie chee toy. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is not a guy who should be running this business. Well, I, I think it's worth noting, too, that Tony Khan has said in interviews that the name Dynamite came from his fantasy wrestling league that he would run on his computer with his friends when he was a teenager. That, you know, the, the back when the, the text based games were real big, like, you know, it's. I hate to use the, you know, to, 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 to keep mentioning him because we've talked about, it, I think mentioned it three or four times already, but Jim Cornette described Tony Khan as a rich kid playing with his action figures. You know, he's, yep. he's the one banging the, the stars together and sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't, but I want to talk back to money and you both agreed, Monty and the Pharaoh, you both agreed that collision will most likely not survive the year. Now it did bounce back a little bit, but the first collision following the, the release of CM Punk was the lowest rated collision by far. Uh, the ratings showed 89,000 people turned off the TV while Tony Khan was, was saying that CM Punk is gone. Like, oh, this is actually, this isn't, you know, work. This is real. I'm done. And for the first time in the show's history, the numbers dropped. It It's never set the world on fire. Between Collision, Rampage, and Dynamite combined, they're lucky to get a million and a half, two million views a week. But Collision was always the show. It started at four or five, somewhere between 450 to 750,000, and it ended at 450 to 750,000. This show dropped off the cliff, and if CM Punk was their number one merch seller. He was the, the consistently the biggest rating draws in the segments he was on. He headlined four of their six biggest pay-per-views in history. From a purely yep. money standpoint, well, I mean, yep. I don't expect AW to fold, but how do they recover from such a crippling loss as far as just fi finance and ratings? You want the answer? Well, and they should have yeah. pulled the they put you to pull the trigger months ago. Go sign Goldberg. Throw a whole bunch of money at him. Have him there. As ridiculous as some people probably go, are you kidding me right now? That's the guy, right? Because who else are you going to get? Who are you going to bring in that people are going to go, oh, my God, I need them, right? It's There's no one there. Goldberg, let me tell you something. If Goldberg's on collision, I might tune in. Just, you know what? Because it's Goldberg. It's an attraction. Uh, my yeah. opinion. Right. My opinion. But you'll notice that, you know, Cody came back, and the, 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 the flow of wrestlers from WWE to AEW, it's kind of dropped off to, to nothing, right? They're not, they're not going there anymore. Well, because the WWE casted all these guys away. I don't, Daniel Bryan, goodbye. You don't want to be here. We don't really want to sign you anyway. Good luck. We love you. You did great for us. Move on. You got they got rid of who they wanted to get rid of. Right. 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 Um, you know, I, I got to give AEW one thing, and, I, and I, I, I seriously mean that. Thank God they didn't get Bray Wyatt. Because if this would have happened and everything that went down with Bray Wyatt, Forget about it. AEW is the Jets of wrestling. 
You know what I mean? It's like no matter what they touch, it turns to crap. Yeah. I'll tell you where they really messed up, too. They're, the biggest thing that they messed up of all, how did Vince really win the war back in the day? He won the war because he stared himself in the mirror, looked at his own talent, and turned his own talent into household names. His own talent. The problem with them is, is that they overestimated, and I think Michael agree with me on this one. Tony Khan, when he started this company, overestimated the household name impact probability of guys like Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. These were his guys. Right. These were not, you understand? None of these guys turned out to be what he needed to become a WrestleMania type of situation for his company, to have a truly great, successful company. He didn't have it. So what did he do? He went out and he got CM Punk. He did the WCW thing. It's so obvious what's going on here. It's just going to lead to disaster. The only pr prayer he has is just to bring someone in that knows something about this business and create new stars from within. But you know something? I feel like he's already out of time. This feels like it's, WCW. It's it's not a it, to be it, to be fair, Farrow. It's not a fair fight. You're talking about a, a, a organization that's been around for fifty some odd years against a, a company that's been four years. But here's the telling point to back you up exactly what you're saying. When everybody was talking about the Wednesday night wars and how AEW supposedly destroyed NXT and, and put them in their place, you had established stars against up-and-comers. But guess what? Right. Those up-and-comers now are stars. And yep. now they're bypassing, right? So yep. the turtle yep. wins the race. I mean, you, you know, know who I you know who I love? Grayson Waller. Oh my. How great is Grayson Waller? You know? Yeah, I don't see them. I don't see them doing stuff like even, that over there. Even look Go at ahead. the the current like you just just the current product right now. Raw and SmackDown. I mean, you mentioned Grayson Waller, Austin Theory. You've got Great. some, you know, uh, the, especially the women's division you, with some of the big NXT call ups they've had. You've the got match tonight. No one. No, I, I was just at Raw. Now, I mind you, I didn't watch Raw as faithfully as I did SmackDown because three hours, two hours, Fox is easier watching USA Network, but. Yeah. I was at Raw, friends, good time, and I realized something. You had Cody and Rhea Ripley and the 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 Judgment Day, and you had, you know, it's just so much talent. This young talent, most of the card was under the age of thirty, or or somewhere right. in, the, in that twenty five to thirty five right. spot. And of course, in wrestling, as we've seen from your Cena and your AJ Styles. 40, you know, 40 is the new 30. It's it's not unheard of for someone to wrestle until they're 50 now and still be good. Right. Yep. So, you know, I look at this, they've got, is there anyone who looks at WWE and doesn't think their future is secured as far as main stars down the road? I look at AEW oh, and I see, I look at their big names, like, like I see, you know, a, an MJF or someone like we talked about, like a, like a Ricky Starks or a powerhouse Hobbs or somebody that I could see doing something with. I see 90% of their young talent in, that's worth anything in five years is on Raw or SmackDown, you know, I agree. Because if if I'm an MJF and I even if even if I'm best friends with everybody, you 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 can't know anything about wrestling and not see the bigger better opportunity is on the other side of the fence. So yep. what do you guys think about that? that? This idea that that the future is secured in the WWE, AEW's future. Who who is their next big star if some of their good young talent leaves in the next year or two? Well, yep. can I, I agree with that, Danny. Dan, for you to answer. 
if AEW is to close, is the WWE going to take any of their stars? I think you have, and Benny, I want your thoughts on this too. I think if if AEW goes out of business, let's say WCW style, and the WWE owns the contracts and can do whatever they want, you have someone like an MJF I think they could do something with. I think a Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, they would work in the WWE style. Um, but there is a lot of regular presentation on AEW programming, like their announced team, for example. You, you know, uh, I, I personally absolutely and and i hear he's a good man so i don't want to criticize the person but excalibur is probably the worst wrestling announcer i have ever heard and and that includes watching michael cole twice. i was gonna just say what about michael Dude, cole wait a, minute, wait a minute we gotta stop right there dan i you know how much i adore your guys show and you guys have beat up michael cole from day one when i've been listening to you at what point are you going to turn back and say Michael Cole is one of the greatest wrestling announcers of I, all time? I, hey, give credit where credit is due. Benny and I have both said when when Vince came out of the ear and when he was working with Pat McAfee, and you could tell, because let's be honest, Michael Cole is not, not that good of an actor. You could tell he genuinely like loved what he was doing and there was that new life. When Michael Cole is allowed to enjoy what he's doing and do his thing, he's phenomenal. But when you there have... You go. When you have the clips where, like, you know, Kevin Owens is coming off the hell in the cell and Michael Cole is literally reading from a script in the background. Oh, my God, Kevin Owens just fell. And it sounds so manufactured. That is that's no one does it worse than him. When he's at his best, he's great. When he's in the mold of Vince is in your ear, you got to stick to the bullet points and talk about 999 WWE Network and sponsored by Sprite every 10 minutes. He's terrible. Whereas Excalibur could Excalibur could read Shakespeare and, and I wouldn't want to hear what he had to say. Like it's just his his voice, the, the the mannerisms, and you can tell when you listen to like a Tony Schiavone or a Jim Ross, they're when when they when they want to, they're there. But sometimes it's they're phoning it in because well whatever. And let's be honest, and I and I really mean this. This is not a joke. You should never have an announcer who wears a mask. And I mean that. It's, I agree. Like, it's stupid. It's dumb. Yeah, it's a dumb point? gimmick and it's bad. Yeah. And and to be honest about Tony Giovanni, I always thought he was okay. I thought he was more of a mean gene type of guy. I never right. felt that he was a great play-by-play guy. So, you know, again, you know what? That's another great point, guys, is that their announcing team is subpar. And it, I think that also hurts their product. I'll use a baseball it's, analogy because I haven't used one all, all show. Benny, you got to get that, baseball <laughs> reference in. Show's almost over. WWE is the New York Yankees, and AEW is Scranton Wilkes Bar. There you go. I, wow. I would like to correct. I, 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 I do have a question for you guys. Wow. I want Dan and not, Benny. You do you not agree, Jimmy? Or? What's that? No, did, Jimmy said wow. And they're like, wow, isn't he disagrees? Or? Well, I just want to. No, I don't, dis- I don't disagree. I just didn't realize that they were all the way down at the Scranton Wilkes Bar situation. I, I thought I you wanna, were going to call them like the. It, the Padres is something. They wound yeah, up in the minor leagues completely. Wow. But Benny, I, I love you. I love you to death, but let's be honest. In, in today's product, uh, AEW is the Yankees, and WWE is the rest of the AL East. That's kind of where we're at right now. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, you're probably, I'm, oh, I'm being, wait I'm a being minute. historical here. Wait right, a here's minute. The question, here's the question. That was mean. This is the Monty question of the day, and I hate to jump on your show and say this, but I want – you guys have the book. I want individual answers. It's 9-11, right? It's yesterday. It's Monday Night Raw. You've got the book. Yeah. 
everybody knows Selena Vega's father died at 9-11 and she made a promise that she was going to win the championship for him. They're both huge wrestling fans. Do you let Selena Vega defeat, defeat Rhea Ripley on 9-11 for one of, I guess, could be one of the greatest all-time moments? Go ahead. What do you think, Benny? I don't think it would do any harm. I mean, it wouldn't make Rhea's going to recover from that. It, she she could take the loss, and it would. I mean, it would do everything for Selena, and it would. I don't think it would hurt Rhea. So I would say yes. I mean, they they had their chance before last In time Puerto they Rico, had a nine eleven show. They got they took flack because Selena Vega was there. She posted on social media like. You know, in New York, ready to perform. You know, but Memorial, and she wasn't even on the on the card. Like they kept her in catering for the show. You know, I it's, I give I give credit. You know, you always want me to hear want me to say something positive about Vince McMahon. The speech he made at the SmackDown, which was the first public venue event following 9-11 yep. Yep. when he came out. And oh it yeah, was clearly off script. It was from the heart. You know, I give Vince McMahon credit because he kind of not just the fans, but the world like, Hey, look, we're not afraid, you know, let wrestling lead the charge, the rock and, and his, the crew he had back then. I give him credit since then. I think they've lost some opportunities, but I I'd be hard pressed because I like Selena Vega as a talent, but the way she's been presented, especially with the LW kind of being the, the, the female hand of the LWO recently, I, I even even for a feel good moment, I just don't think she's a believable challenger to the way they've booked Rhea Ripley. If you're going to have her win, maybe not the title. I think you could do a multi-man match where she pins Rhea Ripley or overcome something. Um, but I, I just I mean, if, if it was me, sure, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the feel good moments. And I was there, so I would have loved to have been in the crowd when that happened. Uh, but from a purely scripted standpoint I, I mean, even for 9-11 i don't think it would have made any sense farrell and i don't i don't think i would have been i don't think uh, especially out of the blue i mean you gotta have a great for it that's a great story but like this thing is as a potential condition on here it's a great story but don't put up First of all, you can do it right, but you'd have to build her up, up to 9 11. Kind of a about it. It's not really about field pro wrestling stories, not to me, you know. Um, and what is your plan with her afterwards? Is she gonna hold that belt for a while? Are you turning into a Guerrero level with her abilities and her background and everything like that? Is that what you want to do with her? So I would have a Question. I would be wanting to be asked this question about the 9-11 booking two months in advance, if you understand what I'm saying, before I make that decision about the 9-11 booking itself. Uh, honestly, I think that it would hurt Rhea. Rhea is really on her way to becoming the greatest powerhouse female wrestler in the history of the business if she's not already there. So I, I'm not sure that a quick feel-good moment would be the right move. Personally, I think it could be an iconic moment, but I agree with Jimmy and Dan. I don't, you can't, don't do wins and right. losses count. Wins and losses count. They as do. As this counts. They do count. 
you you damage Rhea's character. Even if you do the old uh, "oops, I tripped" and she got a lucky pin, whatever the case is, right? You do damage the character. Yeah. And the way you know the, the yeah. way Judgment Day is running right now, it could have been a great moment that you could have had forever. But the reality of it is, Rhea Ripley is one of your future stars. That you know, again. Here's my man cave. I've only got certain wrestlers. I changed it to a wrestling man cave. I got a lot of other stuff, but there's only certain wrestlers on this wall that I feel deserve it. And some you might laugh and go, they don't, but some, some you do. And I'm very close to putting Rhea up on my wall at this point. She should be, she should be on your wall. And you know, some wins losses do matter. One yeah. of my all time favorites, Nak Nakamura to this day. Is still from gender law loss. You know, he's it's a wonderful W. He's had a wonderful W career. Everything. No, he. You know, uh, again, apologize for the technical issue, but he's a, he's right. That was the first thought that I had in my head when you talked about wins losses was the the image of and as my I and I'm I'll admit I'm a huge fan probably more than most people just because I I've always had a soft spot for him but when Jinder Mahal won the title and defended it successfully for months both Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura came out of that worse for wear Randy Orton he kind of worked his way back up Shinsuke never fully recovered to being a main event threat from that loss now I'm not right. saying I don't think if, if Rhea Ripley had lost clean to Zelina Vega, even if it was a oops, I tripped or, or surprise roll up or something, I don't think she would have been off kilter, but I, I think it would have been one of those moments kind of like the, that look at how long it took to rebuild her from her, her loss at mania to Charlotte flair. When, when yeah. for the, you, you know, she's going to defend the NXT title, beat Charlotte, give the title to NXT, be on the main roster, be, it writes itself, she loses. It took her almost a year to be considered relevant again. Um, yeah. Same thing with Asuka. Mm -hmm. The, the Kurt Charlotte cashing in her, char her Charlotte in the bank contract and getting her unnecessary title shots. But, you know, I think it's important um, as we wrap up here, guys, Benny, uh, last kind of last question to you was, was the point you had brought up. And I'm going to ask all three of you, and I'll start with you, Benny. We'll go back to where, where we started. Where does CM Punk go from here? Does he, a, WWE, does he go back to AW eventually? You know, never say never wrestling. Is he, you know, to, to quote Cornette, thank you, fuck you, bye. Like, where does he go from here? That's a tough one, man. Because I, I do not see him going back to AEW. Uh, I don't, I could see him taking his ball and going home, but does he really want to, end his career on such a, a low point. So I, I could see him going back to WWE. What about you, Mike? I think CM Punk's got a choice. He can go to the abyss and be the guy that could have been. Because when you're, you look, we get a lot of guys in the studio, right? They're older, right? And they, you can see some regrets, right? In any career that you have. So he has a choice. CM Punk could have been. Or he has a choice to go to the WWE, do the job to Roman Reigns and whoever else they got coming on, make a big splash, and kind of recover from all this. Because think about it. He comes back, you put him in main event with Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble or something like to that, to that effect. It, it rights all the wrongs. 
and it it's would garner so much attention it would be unbelievable but unfortunately i think phil brooks and cm punk are the same person and i think both of them can't get along have to have it their way and in the end when cm punk is 64 years old and 65 years old or 70 he looks back at his career he's gonna go you know what i had a great career could have did so much more and right. i blew it well um i mean i unfortunately it looks like we're still having some some technical issues on pharaoh's side i don't want to end with uh on that note, but I will say this is my interjection here. Uh, Nick Khan was asked at the, this came out today as the, the discussions for, uh, you know, the Endeavor deal, they rang the bell on the stock market Endeavor now owns WWE. It was, it was one of those textbook corporate answer, non-answers. It was, you know, we respect CM Punk. We value what he did here. You know, he went to the UFC win, lose or draw that took courage. Like, you know, uh, the locker room loves him. It was, it wasn't a no, it wasn't a yes. And I think that is incredibly telling that if it was if it was Vince is in his ear, Endeavor's in his ear, absolutely effing not, we're not signing that guy, he would have said that. I, or at least it would have been more negative. The fact that it's, you know, wh- or what are the chances of CM Punk coming back to the WWE? Well, we love him. He's great. Uh, we value everything he did here. So that's not a no, but that's certainly more to the yes side. And I think it's also telling uh, Mike, you talked about big moments. Survivor Series is in Chicago. Is that when you pull the trigger? If, assuming that because even a standard no compete clause would be over by then. Uh, Survivor Series, absolutely. And you put them instantly in a main event. You don't futz around, right? You don't have him wrestle a couple of guys, have a little mini feud before he gets there. Get him there before Cody Rhodes. Get him there against Reigns. Obviously, you got to have Reigns go over on him, which is fine. Right. But again, he writes all the wrongs. And think about it afterwards. Cody wins the title. CM Punk could go after Cody, after Seth Rollins, or whoever's holding the championship. There's so much in the future that CM Punk can recover from and and that could draw big money and and be must-watch for fans like ourselves. Uh, So I hope that CM Punk rethinks himself and returns back to the WWE and finishes his career strong like Shawn Michaels. Can I say one last thing? Absolutely. Um, I was about to do my final thought, uh, final thought circle. So you can go first. What are you thinking, Mike? I want to say what an honor it is to be on the Dan and Benny show. Um, I discovered you guys just from your previous show that you were on. And when you guys joined together, I always did enjoy both your commentaries. And when I started listening to your show, I always felt how incredible and how lucky wrestling fans are to have a show like you guys have. You're different. You, 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 uh, you teach with the, the people that you have on. You make people realize that they don't know nearly or a, a, a one one hundredth of what's out there to learn. And you guys are entertaining. And it's an honor to have you on our channel. It's an honor to be a wrestling fan and be able to listen to you guys every week. And it was an honor to be on your show today. I just wanted to be able to say that. Thank you. That's great. High praise. I appreciate it. Benny, final thoughts to you. Well, uh, yeah, I I heard that uh, Joe Namath is on his way to the, uh, the Jets practice facility. So I'll take him. I'll take him. 
I'll take them. Well, the, I do uh, want to the, say one thing. On Sunday, 11 a.m., well, on Friday, we've got Manny Fernandez back in at 6.30. And oh, nice. And at 7.30, Brett Azar. Uh, we'll be discussing with Manny Fernandez uh, ever since he's been on a show. A lot of problems about uh, his valor and uh, where he actually stood during Vietnam. And we're going to approach that again. And then at Sunday at 11 a.m., we have the first interview with Barry Windham since his heart attack and since the passing of uh, of uh, Windham Rotunda, Bray Wyatt. Um, so it should be a pretty emotional show. And, of course, I don't know where Barry is on your list. To me, he's in my top ten greatest wrestlers of all time. I've always loved Barry Windham uh, more in the NWA, obviously. He never really got off in the WWF, but he's one of the guys maybe go to the NWA. So I just want to remind fans that this weekend, Friday, Sunday, you got some incredible shows coming up. Barry Windham was, to me, was like one of the top three in the 80s. Absolutely. He he was as good as it got. Absolutely. Yeah, and and we appreciate you guys have great stuff. I know as a uh, as a veteran myself, your Manny Fernandez stuff that you've done, and you guys did a few months ago, kind of a little discussion, maybe not a whole show, but like a discussion on on this story about Sergeant Slaughter, and whether and you know the importance of playing a character where the stolen valor line gets blurred as a character. And like I said, as a veteran myself, I. I I respect and, and like that kind of stuff. So you guys are always great content. And unfortunately, like I said, we had some technical difficulties today with, uh, with Jimmy. So we lost the Pharaoh Mike. Um, thank you so much for being here. Dan and Benny in the ring, anywhere podcasts can be listened to our friends on Facebook, Bonnie and the Pharaoh can be, we can be found on their channel. Great stuff. Look them up. I'm Dan Spasciano for Mike Monty, Monty and the Pharaoh for the original long Island iced B have a good night, everyone. And we will see you next time. We're in the ring. <laughs>